Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer podcast, our Christmas episode and the last episode of the uh, 2022 calendar year for us, which has been uh, an incredibly episode-packed year. It's Despite the lockout uh, pushing things way too late to start early, we were able to uh, still squeeze some things early on and had the uh, weekly episodes during the season. Guys, I didn't actually get a count for how many episodes we had this season, but uh, it was a lot. Um, how are you guys doing tonight? Good season finale. We have Ron joining us tonight. It's gonna be a good night. Yeah, welcome back, Ron. And Joe, uh, repping the Cubbies as you steal my shortstop out from under me with <laughs> a ridiculous deal that I think is a horrible overpay. But hey, that's been free agency look, so far. <laughs> look, dude, if AA doesn't want to back the Briggs truck up, that's not my fault. <laughs> no, dude, I completely agree with that. We've seen it two years in a row that he has a limit that he has in his mind for every player. And if you go past that limit, forget it. He's not going to chase you. So, um, you know, it's it also makes sense more when you look at Atlanta trying to lock guys up with their young pre-arbitration for like 8, 10, 12, you know, whatever years. So they don't have to deal with that. Or when they do have to deal with it, they're like, well, you know, what? by this point, we'll have somebody else ready to take your spot. So... No, it is what it is. So uh, as we uh, are on the Christmas theme, I'm going to start with the what are you drinking tonight? I'm going with one of my favorite Christmas beers from Trogues, the Mad Elf. Always been one of my favorite Christmas brews. I also like uh, Victory's Merry Monkey's, another favorite of mine as well. But uh, Mad Elf is just long time been one of my favorites. I was going to have eggnog that I homemade, but I ran out of time this weekend. So the homemade eggnog is not coming out tonight, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, uh, Ron, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a twisted tea because I cannot drink regular beer or it will make me sick. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Um, Joe, what are you drinking tonight? SoCo Mountain Dew, man. <laughs> Still rocking the SoCo Mountain Dew. So, oh boy. Back to college years again for Joe. All right. <laughs> And Jason, uh, what is your uh, special drink for the night, bud? Um, for those of uh, you that are going to be listening on the audio, I will put in the uh, previews for the um, for the episode everything that was written out because I was just laughing too hard to read it. <laughs> Jason, brilliantly done as always. All right. <laughs> um, so rolling into it tonight, um, since we are doing a Christmas theme episode, um, 
we're going to start with a couple easier Christmas-themed questions first. Uh, Ron, we'll start with the first one with you. What's your favorite Christmas cookie? Oh, right. <laughs> I'm not starting a, easy, but... <laughs> a, that's a tough one. Um, probably, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> to go sugar cookies maybe oh sand tarts that's what it's called mm, love yeah, sand love sand, tarts. sand tarts delicious yeah and remember this is definitely a category where there is no wrong answer because if there is a wrong christmas cookie i have yet to find it um jason what's your favorite christmas cookie yeah i don't have the love actually notes for this one um <laughs> so i was thinking about this and i do love a good snickerdoodle yeah. and the uh i mean you could tell by looking at me i don't dislike cookies in general um but i also like the sugar cookies that have that um frosting on top not the ones you get at like the giant not those generic ones but like a really good sugar cookie with i don't know if it for some reason, I want to think it's like a like a cream cheese frosting or something on top. Yeah, some kind of icing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would go with those. Another good choice. Joe. Yeah, Snickerdoodles are a good one. Um, I, I, I'd say um, Peanut Butter Blossoms is another one that I really like. Um, yeah. And then uh, the other one I think that takes the cake is the, uh, the Pizzell, the Italian Pizzell. Mm, yeah those are so good too yeah for me it's so hard to pick just one um i'm gonna go a little unusual because i don't get them very often um because i don't have the time and patience to make them but i love rum balls oh um, yeah rum balls are just delicious <laughs> but every cookie you guys mentioned is also on my list of favorite christmas cookies as well um and did anybody mention the ones where he, uh it, it's the peanut butter dough that you stick the uh, Hershey kiss into. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love those two. I probably had four of those today at work. At least. Yeah. That's the peanut butter blossom. Okay. I can never remember what they're called. Yeah. Those are absolutely delicious. All right. Next, uh, Jason, I'll let you lead this one off. What is your favorite Christmas movie? This one, I can almost essentially do the love actually things. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Christmas Vacation. Yeah, uh, my wife has the uh, shirt that says "Why is the carpet all wet, Todd?" So I have the I don't know Margot shirt. Um, yeah, Christmas Vacation, hands down. Although I've recently watched, and I will highly recommend it if you have Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus, the new Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds movie Spirited. It okay. is a musical comedy. And it is a, an adaptation of the uh, Christmas Carol. So don't well, throw me down, Clark. Well, timed as always, Karen. Um, Joe, how about you? What's your favorite Christmas movie? Um, I, I, I like Die Hard. Um, I'm just going to throw that into this already. Uh, but I, I would say two. Um, it's, it's, the top two for me is A Christmas Story. And um, and uh, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, those, those two are, are my my top two. Um, you know, my brother Patrick's a big Christmas story fan. We would watch it for, you know, probably six, five times throughout that twenty four hour period. <laughs> yeah, oh, our buddy uh, Jim, uh, he 
made it a point, and he, I believe he completed it last year or the year before, he watched at least part of A Christmas Story for each run-through of the 24-hour marathon that TBS has. So every single time they had it, he saw at least part of it. Um, and Joe, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart is actually from Indiana, Pennsylvania, home yeah. of IUP, where I went to college. Nice. Very nice. All right. So for me, and again, this is another incredibly difficult one because there's so many good Christmas movies. It's like trying to pick your favorite baseball movie. It's very difficult because there's so many of them. Um, Die Hard is way up there because my wife and I have the fight every year. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes, damn it, it is. Um, and just to, uh, you know, perhaps run my point home every year when I'm wrapping her presents, I'm watching Die Hard while I'm walked in the bedroom so she can't see her presents. So, you know, yeah, Die Hard's up there. And then um, uh, also Home Alone, especially one and two. Three can go float down the river in a burning trash barrel because that was that kid was awful. Um, the newer one, the Home Sweet Home Alone, actually wasn't bad. I was pleasantly surprised by that. But one and two are still by far the creme de la creme of all the Home Alone movies. Ron? Um, I'd probably have to say Alf. Not going to lie. I enjoy that movie. Oh, it's a great movie. That probably second would probably be The Grinch. I don't know why. It's just it's two movies I watch all the time. Classic. Uh, my kids are actually upstairs watching The Grinch right now. <laughs> so... Yes, the uh <laughs> Ronnie, which which version of the Grinch? The newest one, the Jim Carrey one, or the old school one? Uh I like them both, not gonna lie. <clears throat> I like the Jim Carrey one a little bit better though. Okay. Yeah, because there's also great. a new there's also a third one now that the one from like just a couple years ago. It's an it's another animated one. <laughs> um, I, I haven't seen it, but yeah. People apparently like it. Hmm. Well, hey, you know, there's apparently not enough Grinch to go around, so. <laughs> All right, Joe, what is your favorite Christmas tradition? Um, I would say my biggest thing is 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 the the religious side of it. So going to, going to uh, going to Christmas mass with my family, particularly uh, since my wife and I got married, we go at midnight um, mm -hmm. on Christmas Eve. So it's really a nice way to really get into it. Uh, from a spiritual standpoint so yeah absolutely and you know the nice thing about living in the Lidditz area there are so many churches that do the late services um, we haven't since we've moved back we haven't gotten tickets to it yet but the uh, Moravian Church's Christmas Eve service is just gorgeous um, I can't wait to get back and see that with that gazillion pointed Moravian star they have in there just beautiful so uh, for me, for my favorite Christmas tradition, um, I've got two. Um, every year on Christmas Eve, we always open up new new Christmas pajamas for the family, um, usually matching. Mostly, either all four will match, or you know, me and my wife will match, and the boys will match, and they'll be close enough color wise that they match. And something that we do throughout the Christmas season, um, you, at least once a week, is we will all hop in the car, turn on the Christmas music. Um, you know, have some hot chocolate with us and just drive around and look at Christmas lights. Love doing that. Um, you know, we used to live in Everett, closer to Jason and Karen, and uh, Everett has got a ton of beautiful houses. Um, Lidditz has the Laurel Avenue lights, which are um, 
programmed to music and are just so cool to watch. And actually, I found there's a new house on New Street that uh, has dancing lights as well. So I can't wait to check that out sometime. Uh, probably uh, tomorrow or Friday, I would think, would be the next times so we would be doing a Christmas light drive. So always love doing that with the kids. And they you know, love watching all the pretty lights out the window. Uh, Ron, what about you? Um, <clears throat> not gonna lie, I don't do anything for Christmas. It's probably <laughs> been like ten years since I've done anything for Christmas. Hey, that's all right, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Should <laughs> the caption label? <laughs> you know, I didn't even know that. Um, it got captioned anywhere, Karen. Uh, she said, I just wanted to throw in that the caption labeled Ephrata is Africa. And uh, before anybody starts playing Toto, Jason, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? You called me. I was going to start looking it up. Um, <laughs> so to add to your Christmas lights thing, there is another one as well in Akron. Um, there's a Make-A-Wish house on Fulton Street, I okay. believe, in Akron. Um, it's really good. It's a little scaled back this year from what it was previously. Um, but Karen and I actually did our drive around the other night. Uh, mm -hmm. Went to Laurel Avenue, and they have buttons you can do to light things up and everything. Oh, yeah, my kids love that. Um, and uh, the two traditions, uh, we do the Christmas Eve candlelight service at church. Um, but the traditions that really speak to me, Christmas Eve, after we get home from church, we'll put on PJs, and I turn out the lights, put on our Christmas tree, crack open a Hickory Farms turkey summer sausage, and watch Christmas Vacation before going to bed. Nice. Um, and then probably one of my favorite traditions is one that Karen's family does, which is a German tradition called the pickle in the Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, and, we do that. And basically, uh, for those that don't know what this is, um, somebody hides. It's usually for us. It's my mother-in-law will hide a pickle ornament somewhere in the tree. Um, and most people have like a regular size dormant like this. My mother-in-law found a pickle that is no bigger than the size of a nickel. Oh, so that's really hard to find. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, and basically we do it in heats because the winner, whoever, usually whoever finds the pickle in the tradition gets a special gift, which in our case, it's usually like a gift card for sheets or, like giant or just some like an Amazon gift card, something like that. But we'll do it in heats where Karen and I will go. Oh yeah. And it's also a super dark green. It's not like a lighter green. Um, we have spent anywhere from just a couple minutes because we get lucky to like half an hour or more trying to find this thing. Nice. And she already has the spot picked out for this year. She said she's super excited. Oh boy. Um, yeah. It's scary. Um, but basically, we'll do heats where Karen and I will go first. Whoever wins it wins that heat. And then the loser then hides it for um, my brother and sister-in-law, who they then go try and find it. And the winner of that gets their heat. And the loser hides it for our nieces. So then we have three winners who look one last time for, like, for the pickle championship. Um, Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic, absolutely, and it's actually how I proposed to Karen. Um, Aww, I I, I rigged it. I gave her mom the ring ahead of time to put in the box for the instead of a gift card, and everybody in the family knew 
let this was before the girls were old enough to do the pickle search. So it was just the four of us, uh, me, Karen, and Dan and Kim. And we basic I basically was like, hey, this is what the deal is. Let Karen find it. And it still took like 25 minutes. We were like pushing her towards the area. She's like, no, I want to go over here. So um you're you're getting cold. You're getting colder. You are <laughs> So, yeah, so that tradition will always have special meaning. Very nice. Yeah, we um, we don't do the special gift right now. What we do is when you find the pickle, you are the, you get to open the first present for Christmas. So um, eventually we'll probably do a, uh, you know, something kind of a special gift as well or something like that. But for right now, that's what it is for us. All right. So, um the last one, it, and I'll lead this one off. What's your favorite Christmas song or carol? Um, for me personally, it's uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, but I prefer the Latin version, Domi Domi. Um, it doesn't have to be the uh, Man I'm Steamroller version, but their version is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and also a special place in my heart will always be for the Hallelujah Chorus, even though it's not technically just for Christmas. But, you know, when you're a Warwick grad and sang that thing for four years in a row, it's pretty much synonymous with Christmas at this point. Uh, Ron, what about you? <laughs> I was going to say anything. I was just going to see how long it was going to go until he realized um, he's still muted. <laughs> Dominic the donkey. Da, 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 da. I don't know why I've just always <laughs> liked it since middle school. It's a classic, and it's definitely one of the catchier of the Christmas songs. That's for, that's for sure. All right, Jason, what about you? So my overall favorite Christmas song is uh, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra's Christmas Eve Sarajevo. Um, carol and hymn-wise, I love... Oh, Holy Night and First Noel. You know, if you would have uh, skipped bowling last night to come to the uh, Lidditz Area Community Choir Alumni and Friends concert, we had an absolutely gorgeous version of Oh, Holy Night at the end of the concert that just lit the LUMC chapel up. It was gorgeous. Um, Joe, what about you? <laughs> this is a tough one. I, I would say... Um, I would say I have a top three, and I'm just going to go with the top three. Um, it's too hard to narrow it down for me. Um, Silent Night, um, O Come All Ye Faithful, um, and um, Away in a Manger. Those are my, my, my top three. Yeah, very nice. Um, I'm just curious because um, O Holy Night, for both of you guys, um, because it's so often also sung in German. Do you guys prefer it in English or German? English for me. <laughs> just English for me, just because uh, I don't understand German. Like, I know I could follow along with it, but I get more out of it hearing the English versions. Yeah, fair enough. Joe? Yeah, I, I like the, um, the the other language, whether it's German or um, with, like, with, oh, come all ye faithful, there's a, a Latin um verse at the end and it's yeah, i like those kind of things a lot there there's something about hearing it in latin that i just love with especially the christmas songs um that's and again that's why i prefer o come o come emmanuel in latin versus hearing it in english 
Also, and I completely 100,000% blame Dax on this one. I actually like to sing in Latin. One, because it's easy. It's basically you read it as it's on the paper. There's nothing crazy usually. Um, but I, I've always liked singing Latin and listening to it, even though, I, you know, <laughs> good luck understanding it as you go. All right, so uh, that that's it for the Christmas portion. Let's roll into some baseball, guys. Um, Ron, since we have you on, just quickly before um, before we roll into free agency uh, stuff, being a Mets fan, do you think that the um, do you think that they got the what? NL Manager of the Year? Not a Mets fan. Mets oh, fan. Ron, you're a Phillies fan. I am so sorry. I'm uh, oh, like, wait, whoa. Sorry, you know, I'm I'm I don't. <laughs> Ron, with all the Eagle stuff, is like. Yeah. Jason, but What's, you're Jason, you're a Phillies Cowboys fan, so there are weird hybrids. They do exist. I'm just here thinking like Ron's there, like I know What's he I, filling me. Uh Ron, I'm sorry. No, I know. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking the last time I had Logan on the show because I was actually chatting with him about this a while ago. I was gonna ask you about the uh NL manager of the year, but I know you're gonna be uh exactly the way all three of us were, and that it was a, a bullshit decision that Thompson wasn't even a finalist and that show Walter wanted after blowing the division. All right. So we'll skip that and move on to uh, free agents. So, um, you know, the big, the biggest deal that came through, we'll, we'll, we'll go with the Yankees first um, with Aaron judge, that insane deal of nine, nine years, $360 million. Uh, Jesus, that, that, that's just nuts. I, Every year we roll into free agency, I'm thinking, you know, this isn't going to get in. You know, we're not going to see more stratospheric deals. And every year I'm proven wrong by the, you know, or, you know, I'm thinking, hey, this team's never going to want to go in the luxury tap. Nope, that's going to get broken again. So I'm sure it's only a matter of time before um, Judge's deal will be beaten by some other ridiculous deal. But um, what, what do you guys think of this deal? I actually... I was actually a little surprised it didn't hit a $400 million contract. I don't actually think it's necessarily a bad deal as far as deals go. Um, but I also think that the Yankees are probably going to be paying for this in the back end of the, the back, probably two, three, maybe four years of this deal will not look so good for them. Uh, Ron, why don't you go ahead and go first? What do you think about this one? Not gonna lie, I'm honestly surprised he went back to the Yankees. It's my first thought, but I, uh, I don't know. Maybe overpaid, in my opinion. He's good, but like over nine years, three hundred and sixty million—that's, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a long contract, <laughs> no doubt about it. Um. Jason, what are you thinking? Because uh, you, for as far as lengths go, you guys dropped one of the longest ones uh, with uh, Turner, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Um, but I mean, nine years, three hundred and sixty million—that's that's a lot of money. Lot I of mean, years. the Yankees said at the uh, winter meetings that they would not be outbid for Aaron Judge. Um, I mean, clearly they were onto something there. Um, although, from what I recall, the Padres, Padres yeah, yeah, the pa the Padres offered him more money. Um, so he he did kind of give the hometown team a discount, if you want to call it a discount. Um, 
but it's I mean he he's an MVP player, so I yeah. get it. I get it. Um I, I am a little surprised he went back to uh the Yankees. I was thinking there was the potential for Giants or Padres, but he must love being in the uh Yankee pinstripe, so I was actually a little bit surprised the Mets didn't make a harder push for him. I was kind of I, I was going back and forth as because we all knew the Mets were going to be splashing, you know, as many Brinks trucks as they could get their hands on to throw at as many players as they could because that roster was as full of holes as Swiss cheese after last season and was done. Um, I kind of expected them to maybe try and pull the power play and say, no, we're the big dogs in New York now. So I was a little surprised to hear that they really weren't that in, although they have so many pitching holes that they needed to fill first. I kind of understand. Um, Joe, what what are your thoughts on uh, on the Aaron Judge deal? I, I think, you know, hearing that the Padres were going to go higher, I think it, it's clear he wanted to be a Yankee Um regardless of, of anything that was put out there, he clearly wanted to stay there. I, yeah. I'm not surprised that the Mets didn't go for him. I think that they're bigger holes that they had to fill. Um, and I mean, they had one outfield spot that they really needed to light to secure up and they did that. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not really surprised by that. Yeah. They had so many pitching uh, areas that they needed to fill in first. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, and what's one other thing to keep in mind, guys, with Judge saying no to the Padres and going back to New York, the Padres needed to go significantly higher than the Yankees, not just a little bit higher because this, um, the state income tax, tax out in California is so much higher than it is in New York. So they would have had to probably go, what, 420 to 450 to match the take-home he was getting with this nine-year 360 with the Yankees. So, um, you know, that's definitely a consideration, too, because I heard the Giants were also um, pretty heavily involved with Judge before he went back to New York as well. So I, I would assume that that probably played a role in that. And then the Yankees, of course, because they're the freaking Yankees, um, they brought in Rodon as well, one of the top pitchers in the market, six years, 162, which that was uh, – <laughs> that's a lot of money. Although if he stays healthy, that's a phenomenal deal. And then uh, Rizzo re-signed three years, 51 million. The third year is a club option worth 17 million with a 6 million buyout. Um, Joe, I know you were disappointed. You were really hoping that the, uh, that the um, Cubs front office wouldn't completely suck and try and bring back one of the heroes of the world series who is still actually uh, performing and not always hurt. Unlike a certain guy out in uh, Colorado. <laughs> Well, I mean, I wasn't necessarily disappointed in that. Um, uh, you know, I would say, um, uh, you know, if we were going to bring Rizzo back, he was going to come back and, and play and start and take that position. And that would kind of leave you sitting with Mervis kind of hanging out down in AAA or getting moved. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I disappointed a little bit. He was the guy I didn't want to lose to begin with. Um, but you know, back when they traded him, but, um, you know, he clearly likes to be loyal where, where he's at. He's got family out there in New York. So he's, you know, he, he's where he wants to be. And I have no, you know, I don't begrudge him at all um, for that. I, I think he made the right move. And I think the Yankees have, have gotten better. 
Yeah. Yeah. The Yankees have definitely improved. I mean, um, they still need some more bats. I think I, I, I mean, they still have the third and fourth best starting pitcher in the entire, in the city of New York, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun listening. You know, Yankees Mets debates between that, between those two fan groups over whose team is better. Who's got the better rotate. Always a blast to listen to as a third party. Um, yeah, I'm really curious to listen in on some of those and uh, see where those debates go this fall and through the season. Um, so let's we'll, we'll stay in New York since we're already in New York. Um, um, so the Mets, they are saddling their wagon to two of the oldest pitchers in baseball that when they're healthy are phenomenal pitchers, no doubt about it. But they're old. They're injury prone now at this point in their careers. Um, they signed Justin Verlander two years, 86.66 million. Yeah, do that math for the uh, AAV for that. And there's also a vesting option for a third year, which I'm sure is probably still in the range of $40 million plus a year. They grabbed Jose Quintana to get a mid middle of the rotation lefty, two years, 26. I think that was a pretty good deal right there, actually. They re-signed Nemo at eight years, $162 million, which I think for any other team, that's a gross overpay. Um, but I, for the Mets, I think that's you know, that's about what he should be at. I, he doesn't really fit as well anywhere else. They grabbed David Robertson. Um, I'm sure Jason was heartbroken to see him leave Philadelphia yet again. Um, one year, 10 million. So, uh, so uh, sad. Jason has Very finally upset. made up his debt from the first time to you guys. No, <laughs> not even Ron, close. I, Ron, I take it. You feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad that they'll get to finally uh, hit somebody in in the bullpen of the Mets that's not Edwin Diaz. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, because Diaz is locked up crazy long term now too. And then they also grabbed uh, from Japan Kode Senga, five years, seventy five million. And again, he's going to be a middle of the rotation guy as well. Um, he he has. Um, a nasty split finger that has such a reputation in Japan is called the ghost fork ball because it literally seems to disappear on batters. And, you know, you know, we've, we've gotten to watch Daisuke. We've gotten to watch um, Shohei um, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years for pitchers coming over from Japan. And the one pitch that has been consistent for both of them that has been very effective has been a fork ball, split finger, fastball type pitch. So as much as I hate to say it, that's probably going to be an effective pitch for him over here. I don't think he's going to put up the ridiculous numbers he was putting up in Japan because the hitters are just better. And now that Major League Baseball has decided that they're tired of seeing pull hitters be lazy and learn how to hit the other way by banning the shift, um, I'm, I think we're going to see ERAs and uh, whips across the board go up this season, even if it's just a little bit for some of the elite pitchers. Um, just with the banning of the shift that you're definitely going to see. And the fact that the infielders aren't allowed to leave the, the dirt, which is still dumb as hell. So the Mets, you know, you know, the Mets are splashing around a ton of money. Um, I think they once again set a record this year for spending in the offseason. Um, I don't know that the Mets are any better than they were last year, though. They may even be slightly worse than last year. Um you know, they've spent a lot of money on some very good players, but they also lost a lot of very good players as well. Um, 
Ron, you've been a little quiet for a while. What are, do you think the Mets actually got any better with this ridiculous spending spree they went on? Um, no, I think they just got older, in my opinion. Like, uh, I don't, I don't see them winning a hundred plus this coming year. And hopefully they don't kill the Phillies like they did last year. That's not going to happen. Yeah. That I that was fluky, and a lot of that was early season when the Phillies were stuck with the uh, horrible management of Joe Girardi. I that's not going to happen. Yeah, um, and I think the thing with that is they did get older. They did trade essentially Cy Young for Cy Young, um, losing to Grom, getting Verlander. A lot of it's going to depend on health for these players. Um, their big thing was re-signing Brandon Nimmo to fill in their outfield uh, spot. Um, I, I I don't think they got better. I don't know that they got worse. I, I like Ron's statement of they got older. Um, yeah. you so. know, I, I shared this with you guys um, over on the Earnestly Speaking Network. Um, he had, he had, uh, EJ had put up the uh, Mets projected rotation. And I said, you know, based on the injury history, what are, who are the uh, six, seven guys, because you're going to need them. And boy, I, I, this debate still isn't done yet. You know, that with that one guy, I shared the chat with you two. Um, and he's still going on and on and on about, um, Oh, we'll be fine. We've got this guy. You, I, I don't care who you have. You, the step down from Verlander and Scherzer to everybody else and whoever your six, seven guys are not going to make up for Verlander and Scherzer. And they will make no doubt about it. They will get hurt again. They are older guys. They're power pitchers. Uh, you know, the fact that you think that they're not going to get hurt this season is wildly optimistic and um, more incredibly homerish than anything you're going to hear on the, on the uh, huddle up podcast tomorrow night. So just the way I see it. Uh, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that they got any worse. Um, and, and it's hard for to, to make the argument about 6-7. Like, you know that Scherzer's going to get hurt. Verlander, if, 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 he's, if this is a return to form from you know, the way he pitched last year, other than being down for a couple of weeks, he, he was fine. Um, and... and the Mets were fine without the top two starters in their rotation for a majority of the season. Uh, I mean, for the entire first half, they were without both of them and, and they were in first place. So, I mean, to, 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 if one of those two or both of those gets hurt for a short period of time, then I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a done deal. And, and McGill looked really good last year for parts of the year. So I'm not, I'm not scared for if I'm a Met fan, I think getting Nimmo was a huge to keep him in as a centerpiece of your outfield. Um, you know, he, he hits for average, he gets on base and, and that's what you need in that offense. So the, the fact that they were able to keep Nimmo, I think is huge. You make a good point, but, their two biggest guys that carried that rotation when those guys were gone are on other teams now. Bassett's gone and Taewon Walker is gone. And remember, Taewon Walker first half is 
typically a dynamic lights out guy. Second half is injury prone and significantly worse historically. Um, but they got him when they needed him because that's when Scherzer and DeGrom were both hurt last year. You know, I, I, Joe, you make excellent points. I'm just, I'm not completely sold on the fact of running a rotation headed by two guys as old as them with significant injury histories. I, 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 I'm just not there. I I don't, they may not be worse, but they're definitely, I, I don't think they're better. And the, the thing with the Mets is they, they haven't gotten better. Whereas one of their division rivals has gotten significantly better. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll use that as a nice tangent, Jason. Thank you. Um, the Phillies decided to splash a little cash. They grabbed Trey Turner, 11 years, 300 million with a full no trade clause. And they grabbed, uh, speaking of Taewon Walker, four years, 72 million. I, I actually really like the Walker deal. Uh, little pricey um given his injury history but honestly it's uh i think that's a better deal than the deal zach eflin got to leave philadelphia um so yeah you guys ought to be on cloud freaking nine over there on the uh right half of the uh, ddab room tonight (laughs) (laughs) trey turner i mean i again the the number of years on that deal i don't like because speed guys don't tend to hold up very well as they get older and lose that key part of their game but if nothing else, you've got a solid defender locked up at shortstop for the next for the next uh, decade, <laughs> decade plus. Yeah, yeah um, I'll, let, I'll let Ron go first with his thoughts on it, um, oh, and I'll man. fill in. Uh, I'm 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 ecstatic ecstatic about the Trey Turner deal. I already ordered a jersey with with his name on it. <laughs> Had to. It was like a week later. Looked at the wife. I was like, I'm ordering it. I don't care what you say. <laughs> but, um, and he's so been on the couch ever since. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm ecstatic. Like when when they signed him and I had that notification pop up. Oh man, it it made my day. I was I was going nuts. So happy about that. Nice. Yeah, and and I was uh, I I know I messaged uh, Joe and Andrew. I messaged you guys, but I also messaged Ron separately. Um, that I thought something big was about to happen because that weekend Rob Thompson was supposed to be at a card show in Philly doing autographs and pictures and whatnot, but he had to cancel at the last minute. He put a video message out for the fans and said that the reason he had to cancel last minute was he suddenly got called out to do some work and to make the 2023 Phillies better. And the only thing that made sense was that they were closing in on Trey Turner and they needed Rob Thompson there to help close the deal. And two days later, one day later, the news broke and I am all for it. It, it fills in a gap. Um, Bryson Stott has been was fantastic at short last year for the team. Um, And he's definitely in their picture for the future. But what this means is they lost Didi Gregorius's uh, contract. Oh and no! I know it's it, it's so so sad. I might cry tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then um, with Gene Segura also being a free agent um, because they declined his option, it now lets uh, Turner slide in at short, and they're going to move Bryson Stott over to second base, and that infield. Um, 
at least the middle and third base side of the infield is going to be really good. Um, I know, I know you, the whole like with Alec Bohm, but you can't deny that the second half of last season and the playoffs, he was spectacular. Um, once he, once he had that three uh, error game and the whole I F and hate this place and owned up to that, that was almost a wake up. Like that switch flicked and he was great. So let's just see if it continues or if it regresses back to the mean again. Sure. Um, Um, For your sake, I do hope it it does continue because he makes great. It's not, it's not his glove. His glove has never been the problem. It's always his throw. Yeah. Yeah. He's Um, always uh, well. And again, Hoskins is a terrible fielder at first base. Yeah. Well, I mean, Um, we saw, we even saw that in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, I, I've always I, I've always thought of him as a well below average defender at first base, and then I just watch the Phillies and Braves series, and I'm like, geez, how do you miss some of these? The, the like, I mean, there were balls pop like that. There were throws over to him at first base that he didn't have to scoop out, and he still just dropped. Um, yeah. But so, I, I think that the thing here was the Phillies filled a hole both defensively and offensively. They got better yeah. um, because. I don't. I would love to see Turner slide in at leadoff and drop Schwarber down to two. Um, I hope so. Schwarber or something like that. <laughs> Schwarber gets on base though. That's the thing. Yes, he yes he strikes out and, uh, but he gets on base with a lot of walks. Um, but the the thing here is they got significantly better defensively and offensively, um, especially with missing Bryce Harper for the first half of the year at least. So you needed they needed to replace as much of Bryce Harper's numbers as they could. You're never going to replace a Bryce Harper number. But Trey Turner does significantly fill in that hole, um, especially coming from a batting average standpoint and on-base percentage standpoint. Um, hitting at Citizens Bank Park instead of Dodger Stadium, he's going to get those power numbers too. Yeah. Um, and then the other big thing here, uh, getting t- uh, Taiwan Walker was big, especially letting Zach Eflin walk was the right choice. Oh, yeah, especially uh, for that deal he got. Good God. Uh, I, yeah, oh, see, yeah, seeing that deal that he got, which I know we'll talk about, that I was like, okay, mm, bye. Um, because now you have that. You have oh, Jesus. Yeah. And, and not only do you, uh, like, you lost Eflin, but you gained so much more in Walker because now you're talking a, a starting rotation of Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez, Taiwan Walker, and probably Bailey Falter, um, who filled in pretty well. Um, good, like, fifth or fifth starter or even, like, a long reliever. But at some point this season, you're probably going to have one of their top two prospects, if not both of their top prospects, and Andrew Painter and Mick Abel coming up. Um, so the, the Phillies have gotten significantly better. They filled in the bullpen. It's not on here, but they did get Matt Strom. Uh, they signed him, who was a Red Sox uh, player, uh, reliever, um, to be a middle to mid-late uh, reliever, basically replaced Brad Hand, which, again, bye. Um, so... Yeah, I'm like Ron. I am 
pumped about yeah. the moves that the Phillies have made this year. They they just need a couple lower end to mid range relievers just to kind of bridge those gaps to the setup and closer areas. They'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely got significantly better. I will be honest, I am more worried about the Phillies ending the Braves division streak currently than I am about the Mets doing it. Um, and frankly, I'd rather see the Phillies do it than the Mets if it can't be the Braves. Well, the Mets couldn't um, do it last year anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, and they still get manager of the year despite blowing a 10-game lead. Makes no damn sense. Not nope. at all. Despite splashing out a ridiculous amount of cash last year, too. Yeah, good enough for the first wild card spot. They they have the highest payroll in the majors, don't they? Or is it the Dodgers? No, they passed I, the Dodgers, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, give me a second. I'll pull that up, but I'm 99% sure. Uh, let's see here. For 2023 already, yeah, the Mets are first place with a payroll of – they're already at $282 million. The Yankees Holy are shit. in second place at $230.6 million. Jesus. That is uh, – yeah. Well, there's also that you know 20 and a quarter million that's retained for a certain guy named Bobby Bonilla and a bunch of other <laughs> uh, uh, push-to-the-future contracts. <laughs> <laughs> so um let's let's look at we'll start looking into the uh short stuff because th that was the big thing we were looking at was the big four joe let's roll into chicago i'm just going to rip the band-aid off on this one so first chicago opened up early they grabbed cody bellinger one year 17 and a half prove it deal um i think they overpaid a little bit but he does he is an elite defender so that's definitely a good part for the outfield uh, Jameson Talley in four years, $68 million. I think he overpaid a little bit there because I don't think he's a top-of-the-end guy. But, you know, given what the starting pitcher market was, it's not a terrible deal. Um, and then what I think is an insane overpay for Swanson, Jesus, seven years, $177 million with a full no-trade. Um, first of all, you are getting a great clubhouse leader. You are getting a guy that plays phenomenal defense at shortstop, and we are definitely going to miss that. His offensive numbers are streaky. They have been improving every year, but he's very streaky. You're going to have hot and cold streaks. Now, is he worth $25.2 million a year, right? 25.3 once you round it? Uh, I don't know about that, man. I, I, I kind of... I was personally viewing Swans as more of like a 22 to 24 mil range than a 25-plus guy, but Hey, man, <laughs> you, you were waiting all offseason after the early signings for your front office to do anything. And uh, they finally did, and they did it in a really big way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, 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 sat on, I sat on them for a while, and I'm just like, what the hell? Like, what are we doing? Like, you know, you can't – two years of – of intelligent spending. And then you had the Ricketts leak out the crap about how it Jed's got an open checkbook, do what you want to do to make the team better. And you're like, okay, well, I'm waiting. I've heard this before. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Um, you know, I, I thought the Bellinger move, I think Bellinger, I see him as, as a one year stop gap till PCA Brennan Davis get up there. Um, we're loaded in the outfield in, in, in triple a so um and double a so i'm i'm not you know too concerned about that one um 
I, I do think from some of the outfielder deals you've seen the last couple of, of weeks here, the last week or so, that you better lock down Ian Happ and you better do it now. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't wait. Do not let him get to free agency to test that market. He will uh, absolutely annihilate yeah, any yeah, offer you're, you have. You're going to lose him if you don't lock him up, um, for sure. Yeah, um, do, do what Atlanta did. Sign them like when they still have a year or two of arbitration left and say, hey, we know you're giving up arbitration, so we'll add an extra couple of years in the back end. Because let's face it, if they're still in the arbitration period, they're young enough anyway that the long deal isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, well, I mean, Hap's out of that. This is his last year unless they lock him in. So, um, you know, that's why they were talking so much about him being traded last year. Um, you know, so, look, I, I think, the, again, the Bellinger move, I, do I like spending that that much money? No, but if, if he has the prove-it year that he's trying to bet, himself, bet on himself to have, then – it's a great deal for me. I really don't care. And let's face like I said, it, like I said, I'm bridging. We're bridging the gap between, you know, what we have and and PCA and Canario and and all of that. So um, I, the the Bellinger deal doesn't disappoint me. Um, the, the Italian deal doesn't disappoint me either. I think, um, you know, when he met with with Cubs ownership, he really talked an awful lot about. Um, the pitching, the system that the coaches have there. So it sounds to me as if he's very much a system guy and really likes what the, the Cubs pitching staff, you know, coaching staff as a collective does with guys. So, I mean, that's, that's good to hear. Um, and an improvement. I mean, obviously I wanted them to go after, you know, a guy like Rodon or um, another ACE uh, that would drastically improve their odds. Um you know, with, with, with Hendricks being as he is and, and um, you know, and whatnot. But, right, I mean, my, my biggest concern is that they get another bat here toward the end um, and whether that bat is to, you know, play first in DH, whether that's a Trey Mancini to hold until Mervis gets his feet wet and gets comfortable, um, you know, or, or whatever that is. Um, you know, a solid bat is the next piece that they need to get. Um, the fact that we had to wait as long as we had to do on the shortstops thing really pisses me off. And I think seeing that they over maybe overpaid for Dansby, I don't think they did, but um, I could see your point. Um, at the end of the day, as that clip I sent you guys, the players are setting the market. You have to either put up or, or complain about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, the moment that we saw what Zach Eflin got – Oh. Yeah, that that's that just that was that was the key that was like, all right, teams are going to be spending a lot of money no matter what the free agent is this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah three I, years, forty million for Zach Eflin. Are you kidding me? Is- and I don't even think that's the worst of the free agent deals we've had so far. I'll tell you what I think the worst is later, but that I don't think that's even the worst, and that's a terrible deal. David honestly. Robertson's the worst. No, I've got one worse than Robertson <laughs> and Mifflin. Honestly, I do. But the thing is, Joe, I'm fine with the deal and with Dansby being a cup because it gets him out of, out the, of the division. division. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I of of the of the big four, I think he was the most realistic target. Yeah. Um it, but and again, it, it allows you to put Dansby at second at short and 
Nico at second, where he was a gold glove finalist in 2020. Mm-hmm. He should have been a gold glove finalist last year. Yes. Uh, so you have the best, the, the top two middle infielders probably in the league, or at least in the National League. For now. Definitely in the NL Central. I, I, well, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, if, if you lock down Nico, if you lock down Ian Happ and you make a, a – a bat pickup here. Um, well, you guys could trade for Reese Hoskins. No, thanks. <laughs> no, See, thanks. Ron, here's the thing. If there's one team that knows how to overpay for defense, it's the Cubs. Look at Jason Hayward. <laughs> well, the, thing, that's the thing about this deal is that this deal yeah. is, is like a year lower than Hayward's and less money. Like he had to keep it under that. Because you know yeah. that they're they're you know chasing the boogeyman of that now um, <laughs> uh, here the last couple of years. So look, I, I think they made the the right move eventually. I'm just pissed it took them so long to get there. Um, but again, Actually, with, Dan, with Dansby, I'm not surprised because he got married and he was on his yeah. honeymoon. So like I understood the timing on that front of yeah, it. Yeah, I was about to say I know um, I know Dansby said he was not signing a contract until after his wedding and honeymoon was over. So yeah, I was man. not surprised to see Dansby go so late. But why the Cubs waited so long to do hardly anything else? Yeah, that's definitely well, something to ask. And, and you knew that they were going to announce this had to be the deal that they were going to announce because the, the Cubs convention was last weekend. And like Friday, they announced that the Ricketts were going to have their open panel on Saturday. And you're like, are, are you sure about that? <laughs> because that was before the deal went down. And then once the deal got announced, you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now they have something good. So they, they knew it was going to be uh, ready and queued up. All right, so um, continuing on this run of shortstops of the Big Four, the next one we'll look at is um, the Padres. Um, they grabbed Xander Bogarts 11 years, $280 million. And that that one, I the thing that drives me nuts about that one is the length because um, he is already 30 years old at this point. So you're paying a guy – until he is 41 years old at a position where you tend to get beaten up a little bit from that guy flying in to break up the double play ball. Now he's always been durable. He has never had health issues that I can remember. And I have him on my fantasy team almost every year because the dude always hits 300 plus of power. And how can you say no to a guy like that in fantasy baseball? So the Padres grabbed Bogarts for a deal that I think will certainly bite them in the ass in the, at the end of it. Um, they also grabbed, they re-signed Robert Suarez, five years, $46 million. Uh, reportedly, he's going to be able to opt out after three years. Uh, Suarez is a great story. I think they grossly overpaid for him as well. Um, I, I don't think he it should be pulling that kind of money in. So uh, He was a great story in the NLCS. You know the crazy, you know Jason. The crazy thing is, until the Phillies hit those home runs off him, he hadn't given up a run in Petco Park all year. Oh, I was just thinking of one home run. Yeah, I I know which one you were thinking of, and it was a great home run. But that—that's the crazy thing. That was the first time he had given up a run in his home park. I understand why the Padres are completely enamored with the guy, but he has no track record at all in Major League Baseball. So. He's a great feel-good story. I feel like this is the kind yeah, of – Yeah, he made Ronnie and I feel very good. 
I feel like this is the kind of deal that's eventually going to blow up in their faces. And well, let's face it, but the Padres are known to have deals blow up in their face, and I won't be upset to see another one or two, um, um, you know, end up that way. Uh, yeah, like I said, Bogarts, great deal for most of the deal. I think the last couple of years are going to be absolute garbage. Um, anybody else have a thought on that? <laughs> Yeah. All right. Look, look, I mean, if, if, if they, if they go the whole way, then it was worth it. Yeah. That's well, here's the thing. If I'm Bogarts and I'm not on crutches, I'm going the whole way. Cause I want all that money. <laughs> it's guaranteed money, isn't it? Yes. Uh, do you keep all the money when you retire? I don't know. Actually, I know they're guaranteed contracts, but I don't know if retirement affects that. Well, I mean, uh, if, if he doesn't retire, then <laughs> You know, pull a Hayward, you know. Right. And then the last of the shortstop deals, the Giants grabbed Correa, 13 years, $350 million, a full no-trade clause, along with no opt-outs, which, frankly, if you're going to freaking sign for 13 years, um, if I'm the team saying I'm giving you this much, I damn well want to have no opt-outs in there. I mean, he's, what, 28 now, so he's going to be, what, 42 when this deal is up. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, the Giants, you know, they weren't able to get um, Aaron Judge, so they put all that money they were going to dump on Aaron Judge into Carlos Correa. <laughs> I, my God. Um, it's it's almost like they want, they wanted to sign a free agent just to say they signed a big free agent. Yeah, that, that's kind of what it feels Pretty like. Pretty much. So those were the big four deals for the shortstops. Um which guy? So, what do you guys think was the best deal of the shortstops before we move back to what I think is the other biggest of the free agent deals? Um, you guys, you guys are both yeah. going to say Turner, but I'm going to chalk that up to a home team bias. So, Joe, we're going to ignore them for a little bit. What do you think about the uh, best of the shortstop deals? Look, I, I think that the the Phillies have a lot to be happy with about, and I'm going to enjoy seeing the uh, you know. The, the Trey Turner slide every night on television. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's local TV markets for you, that, man. That thing is a thing of beauty, man. That slide yeah, is it really beauty. is. That that um, dude's got the smoothest slide in baseball. Mm-hmm. Right, and and I think that's the one of the – probably the best of the big four. I think second best for me that makes sense is obviously mine um, because if they lock down Nico, you've got the best middle infield for five, six years. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, as much as I think the Cubs overpaid, I actually like the Swanson deal better because it's not as long. I I, I don't like 10 plus year deals. I don't even like when Atlanta signs the young guys to 10 plus year deals. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I hope this doesn't bite us in the end. Um, well, it won't hurt you at the moment since you're not signing anybody. <laughs> I, I mean, going to say it. <laughs> every position except for left field and shortstop is covered for how many years to come. They don't need to sign anybody. Um, but no, like, and, and honestly, the reason that I, I choose the Turner deal, it, it's not just because of home fan bias. Um, it fills a big gap. It, it drastically improved the team. Um, I get the years thing. Um, but the thing is, you know, like, like Joe mentioned, uh, Jed was told, Hey, you have open checkbook, do with it what you want. And he doesn't do it. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Dave Dombrowski is told by John Middleton, 
who famously said a couple years, a few years ago in 2019, we're going to spend stupid money. And he has lived up to that promise. I, I don't think he's Harper and no, he hasn't gotten to stupid money level. Steve Ballmer's at stupid money level. I actually think it's been mostly smart spending for the Phillies by and large. Yeah. And the thing, and the thing is, you, you know, can't like, say stupid money when your payroll is that far below the Mets, dude. But but the th- the thing is, um, they're they're putting John Milton has put his checkbook where his mouth is, and the Phillies have made big signings, and they are going to be a force to be reckoned with this next uh, few years. Yeah. All right. So the other big deal um, that went down, you know, we were all. All of us were eagerly waiting to see where Jacob DeGrom was going outside of the NLEs because uh, I, 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 Ronnie, Jason, I don't know about you guys. I am so tired uh. of facing that guy. Um, so five years, $185 million to the Rangers with a vesting option for a sixth year as well. Jesus Christ, for a guy who's been injured as much as he is, they're going to pay out $37 million a year. And uh, isn't he already like 30 two 30 he's already 34 so you got a guy with a nasty injury history now some of that could be because of the Mets because we know that they don't handle injuries correctly we've seen that over the last decade with what should have been an absolutely world-beating rotation that they grew from their farm system that they completely mismanaged and screwed up um but Jesus, that's a lot of money per year. That's a lot of years for a guy who's in his mid-30s with a strong injury history. I, but the Rangers had plenty of money to spare. I mean, they've been at the bottom of the payroll despite being in a large market for how many years? So, I, you know, <laughs> I just think it's funny that the uh, Phillies open the season against the Rangers and have to face to Grom game one of the season next year. <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious, Andrew. <laughs> well, we still have to face him once. True. All right. So, yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a rough touch on the uh, free agent signings. Um, I know the Dodgers, they brought back Kershaw one year 17. Uh, the funny thing is, without doing a trade, the Dodgers and the Red Sox swapped DHs. The Dodgers grabbed J.D. Martinez one year 10. The Red Sox grabbed uh, Justin Turner two years, 22. Um, I think the Dodgers got the better deal out of that one than the uh, Red Sox did. I think Justin Turner's just a little too old for two years, 22, personally. Um, so, yeah, let, let's roll into the uh, worst deals that we have seen. Um, uh, Ron, what, what do you think was the uh, worst deal that you saw so far in the uh, – in the off season signing so far. Uh, I, no offense to the Cubs. I'd have to say the Cody Bellinger deal. He just, he's not the same as when he was coming up through the Dodgers. Those last couple years, he just hasn't been himself. That's fair. Jason, what do you think? Um, the one that sticks out to me, I'll let you give the stats there. Cause I think this is going to be the one that's your, your worst deal, um, is the, uh, Masataka Yoshida deal for the Red Sox. Um, five years, $90 million 
for an unknown, um, one that has a pretty good bat, like great bat, but the rest of his game is very lacking. So um, I'd probably go with that one as, as my worst deal. That's actually my number two. That's not my number one. I almost said that for number one, but there is one deal I think is significantly worse. Um, Joe, what's yours? Um, from clearly, from strictly an emotional level, the Wilson Contreras deal pisses me off. Um, <laughs> I forgot about from, that. <laughs> from, a com- from a completely emotional level, that one pisses me off. Both that makes sense. are still in the NL Central, and neither one of them play for the Cubs. Yeah, that sucks. Like, really? Uh, you know, and, and then that's the other spot that they've got to shore up. And the fact that they didn't didn't shore up, those that's the worst part for me. The, well, and especially because the catching market's so bad. Man. What's that? The catching market's so bad. The fact that they didn't grab someone to shore up the spot after letting Contreras go is – and again, this goes back to what we were talking about around the trade deadline last year. Um, so because they didn't trade him, clearly they had a deal in the works. And now they have no deal in the works and the Cubs are going to get nothing in return for losing one of the better catchers in the National League to a division rival. Yeah, yeah that just sucks. strictly from an emotional level, that's the one that makes the least sense yeah. to me. And um, I, I'm sorry, Joe. I called it too. I uh, I think I said only a few days prior. Yeah, you did. That that the Cardinals were going to sign Wilson, and, and the main reason is because of Yachty. Yeah. Look, I, I mean, I think if if you're Wilson Contreras and and you know hating on management as much as I hate on management. I'm not surprised that he did this, considering the way that the Cubs handled him, um, you know, going into the season this year, the way they handled the trade deadline, the way they handled the offseason. Like, it, it, if if the team that you've given your life to is going to treat you that way, yeah, I'd leave for my division rival too. Piss off. Yeah, absolutely. So my worst deal. Um, the Yoshida deal is bad. What, what, what's – Let's set that aside. That's my number two. Um, and before you do your number one, since we're talking about Yoshida, we'll, we'll look at those stats here quickly. Yeah. Um, you want, so, um, 80, 80 yeah. grade for bat control. Um, it's been said that he's virtually impossible to strike out. Um, the thing is, he doesn't run well. He doesn't really do well in the in left field. He has a negative uh, 15 defensive run saved over his last 3,000 innings. Um, below average arm, raw power grade of 40, which is below average. Um, and he's usually in the t- low 20s for home runs. That's not the type of player that you give a five-year, $90 million deal to and spend a lot of that international money. Yeah, uh, so I do, do the Japan contracts count as international because that's a different deal mm-hmm. between the KBL and um, I believe it was like 15 extra million that they had to pay. Oof. Oh, that is even worse. Still not my worst deal, but that's close. That, that makes it like a one, a one B situation. Yeah. It's a $15 million posting fee. Basically. Oof. Jesus. Or, yeah. Not KBL. So, so realistically, that's a $105 million deal at minimum. For a maybe, yep. 
Well, and I know um, when I was reading up on it, I know the higher the amount of dollars that are going into the deal go, the more you have to kick back percentage wise to the Japanese club in addition to that 15 million posting. So, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. You know, the one thing about that scouting report that doesn't really bother me as much as the poor arm strength, because in left field at Boston, you don't have to have much of an arm because of the green monster. I mean, if, if there is a left field in the majors that you can get away with a guy having a noodle arm, it is definitely Fenway Park and not Truist Park, as the Atlanta Braves have seen with Marcelo Zuna. Now, the worst deal that I, my personal opinion that for the worst deal that I have seen, the White Sox and Andrew Benatendi, five years, $75 million. Don't get me wrong, Benatendi, he's a good player. He hits around 300 or a little better most years. He doesn't have a lot. Sorry, I don't know why that popped up. Um, so he, he's a guy that doesn't have much power. He hits around 300, which is great. He gets hurt a lot. I mean, we saw at the end of the year last year at the Yankees. Um, I think I was reading that he had been hurt previous years with the Royals almost every season. I don't understand why you are paying a guy $15 million a year for five years who is that hurt. And frankly, he's a good player, but he's not a star. You're paying him star money for for a guy that's not a star. I, I just, I think that's a terrible deal by the White Sox. And the fact that that is their biggest, the White Sox biggest value in team history, that actually is higher than the deal they gave uh, Grandal back in 2020 by beat it by 2 million. I, what? Ben Attendi? What? I, I got nothing, man. I, I think it's a terrible deal. Just, ugh. but you know, I know Joe's not upset to see the uh, other side of Chicago make bad deals. So. <laughs> and uh, let's face it, I don't think that team's going to be much improved next year anyway. All right. So, um, I, you know, that's a lot of the big deals. Um, do you guys have any other deals you really want to mention? I Atlanta did finally decide to make a deal earlier today because they hadn't made a free agent signing. They grabbed... Uh, Journeyman reserve outfielder. Who the hell did they sign? Did I send it to you guys? No, I didn't. I can't remember. Uh, Jonathan Luplo, um, who he's going to be a platoon guy in left field with Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario because he hits lefties really well. Yeah. So basically Atlanta has uh, taken the free agency off because it doesn't matter. But where Atlanta did make an impact was in the trade market where they picked up um, all-star catcher Sean Murphy from the athletics, giving up a crap load of prospects and major leaguers in the process. They sent uh, William Contreras, their their all-star catcher DH from last year to the Brewers. They sent right-handed prospect Justin Yeager to the Brewers. They sent Kyle Mueller, a lefty that we saw a little bit last year in the majors. They sent Freddie Tarnock um, and a lower minor leaguer, Roy Salinas to the A's, and they also sent their original backup catcher, Manny Pena, who got hurt in spring training for the year, and we never even saw him play in Atlanta, um, to the Athletics. They also picked up Estuary Ruiz from the Brewers. He's a prospect. And the Brewers also got jo uh, Joel Payampas from the A's. So uh, here's the thing, guys. 
I loved Contreras. I still love Contreras. I really wish we wouldn't have traded him. Here's the thing that I love about this deal, though. What was the biggest change that got made in the offseason or that got made with the rule changes coming up? Runners are going to be going wild because you are limited in the number of pickoffs. The bag at second is bigger, theoretically making it theoretically making it bigger. So I hate losing Contreras is bad. But the thing with Contreras, his defense was not good. You saw that last year that Travis Darno, who also is not a great defensive catcher, Travis Darno got most of the um he got most of the um starts at catcher last year because Atlanta did not trust William Contreras to play defense. So I'm yeah. I pulled up, I sent it to you guys in the group chat, the batting comparison, and it really, it's not, it's, Contreras had more power, but, um, but you're going to have, Murphy is, has a better bat overall. He's going to make more contact. He strikes out significantly less. Murphy is also significantly better defensively. He's going to become the primary catcher in Atlanta. Darno is going to move to the DH. Um, and then when Murphy needs a day off, you know, Darno will catch and Murfield DH instead. I, I like what they did because I think if you have two good offensive catchers, and I think you're, you may see more teams doing this in the future, getting offensive catchers because you can swap one of the DH and hide their defensive deficiencies at the DH. Um, you know, I, as I look at the deal more, as I run the numbers more, I'm liking the deal more and more. I hate that we gave up every freaking major league level catcher that we had. I think that, except for Darno, I think that's a little, uh, a little bit reckless on um, on Andopolis's part. But it's not bad. Um, the crazy thing is, um, you know, Jason, Ron, you guys have, I think, straight up the best defensive catcher in baseball right now in JT Real Muto. Um, Murphy's pop time is only two hundredths of a second slower than real mutos with comparable arm strength. So it's going to be fun watching Murphy and real muto gunning guys down at second base. It's going to be a lot of fun because nobody else has good defensive catchers like that. Anyway, yeah, it's going to be fun watching uh Olsen get um, second in the gold glove award again. Probably. <laughs> um, honestly, man, first base is so much. I didn't realize how much deeper first base is. At, for Golden Glove in the NL compared to the AL, I I would be shocked honestly if Olsen is able to steal one because of how deep first base is going to be for a long time in the National League. Yeah, and I said Olsen, I meant Murphy. Um, I I figured, but I was just going to roll with what you said. Yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be fun watching Murphy get second in we'll uh, Golden Glove for catcher. We'll see. I, who knows? Because they look at more than just the caught stealing percent. You know, they look at the frame rate and things like that, too. So it's it's going to be fun to watch. And it's nice that, you know, the NL East is becoming catcher central, um, you know, with the exception of everybody else. I'll say two teams. <laughs> well, you know, it's going to be a two-team race for the division. The Mets are going to be wild card. Let's, let's be real here. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, Atlanta gave up a lot, sure. Kyle Mueller is never going to be an ace. He's going to be at best a mid-level a mid guy. I don't think Tarnock is going to be an ace. Yeager 
Yeager's got great, he had great stuff, but he also walked a lot of guys. I think he was at like 3.4, 3.6 walks per nine. And, you know, we know minor league guys don't go nine innings. So that's a lot of walks to get a walk rate that high. So, I, you know, I'm okay with the deal that Atlanta made. Um, other other deals that were made, the Mariners were wheeling and dealing a lot. They sent Jesse Winker away to the Brewers. They picked up Colton Wong. They sent um, some prospects over to the Blue Jays, uh, Eric Swanson, Adam Mako, and picked up Teoscar Hernandez. I, I actually like both of those deals for the Mariners. They definitely needed um, they definitely needed a second base upgrade, so Wong was a good choice. Um, Teoscar Hernandez is going to shore up their outfield even more. Um, I what do you guys think? I actually like both of those deals that the Mariners rolled. I was looking at that too, and I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Um, I'm not as big of a fan of it because I feel like that they did give up a lot in Winker and Toro to, to get Wong. Um, don't know enough about the other players for Teoscar Hernandez. Um, I like Teoscar overall, so I think that one is fine. Um, but the trade for Wong is a little, little off to me. Here, let me give you a little uh, rundown for Jesse Winker last year, Jason. Negative 0.3 war. He had a 219 average, 14 home runs, and 456 bats, 51 runs scored, 53 RBIs, OBP of 344, slugging 344. Um, I, I, I'm actually okay with that deal. He was not good yeah. in Seattle. So, so he definitely had a drop off from Cincy out to uh, Seattle there. Well, Seattle's not a hitter's park. It is definitely a pitcher's park, and I think that really affected him. So I, that's why I like the deal, getting Winker out of there and getting an outfielder that you know has a little bit of pop in Hernandez. I, I think it was a good call, honestly. And then um, there was one other uh, Hunter Renfro. Now five, he, five in the last five seasons, he will play now for five different teams as he was traded once again. This time to the Angels, they gave up a bunch of prospects to the Brewers for him: Elvis Piguero, uh, Jansen Junk, and Adam Seminaris. So Hunter, Ren I, you know, how do you feel if you're Hunter Renfro at this point? It's like I can't find a team that will keep me. I keep getting, I either keep getting traded or released. Like that, I can't remember the last time we saw a guy who played for five teams in five seasons. It's been a while. <laughs> um, not honestly, not a bad deal. Let's face it, the Angels needed to do something because, um, yeah, that that's just a team that needs a lot of help. Um, they did also sign Tyler Anderson as a free agent, three years, thirty nine. So um, there's a lot they need to do. Um, but yeah, so that's what the Angels did. So. Uh, you know, trade. I'm I'm actually a little surprised the trade market hasn't been more active. I did like that um, we had a three team deal, um, guys. Wh what do you think? Do you think the trade market's going to heat up a little bit more? Do you think we've probably seen what we're going to see? I mean, obviously, when spring training starts, we have injuries. You know, that's obviously going to affect things, change things. Um, Ronnie, what are you thinking? I think it'll it'll probably honestly slow down right now in two spring training just because of everybody seems to be set, but in two spring training, I don't think you're going to see too much. Yeah, it, we, we had a brief flurry of activity, and then it's – I don't think we're going to see a whole heck of a lot more before spring training. It's, it, it's crazy, you know, we – 
we had that huge flurry of activity before things died down this year, but that was because with the lockdown, nobody could make deals for so long. And spring training was literally right on their tail. So that they had that deadline they had to deal with, but it's really interesting to me that this off season's kind of running like last off season did with so many deals going down so quickly. You know, we, we haven't really seen that in a non lockout year until this point that I can recall. Um, Most of the, the big reason for that, I think was you had the winter meetings going on. And that's when a lot of the deals get done um, with the winter me- meetings ending and you're approaching the, the holiday season, things like that. The deals are going to start slowing up a little bit, um, but we did not talk about the biggest deal of the entire off season so far. Which one did I miss? Joey Gallo. That Joey Gallo signed oh. the twins for one year and eleven million dollars. That's gotta what be the worst. Stud. Oh my god! One year. I forgot about that. I forgot about that too. Jesus, one year, eleven million for a guy that can barely hit a hundred and might pop a home run every three and a half weeks. Jesus, he is overpaid. Whew. I don't know, man. Ask the Yankees how they felt when they got rid of him. They their lead in the division shrank. Yeah, but and the Dodgers was- actually he did okay with the Dodgers. Okay. Okay. Uh, he, he didn't do that okay with the Dodgers. He hit the ball a little more. Not much. He, I, he, he I was he'd be more like the the movie The Bench Warmers with David Spade's character. <laughs> like, I ticked it. I ticked it. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at 159 versus 162, the Yankees versus the Dodgers. Um, Home runs were 12 to 7 in favor of the Yankees, actually. More RBIs for the Yankees. Um, So, no, I'm not going to say he was significantly better with the Dodgers. He pretty much sucked all year last year. Well, if he's he's a left handed hitter, right? Yeah, he's a lefty. That's why the Yankees grabbed him because they're short porch. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, anybody can hit one over that wall. You know, it's bad when you get a home run challenge in the baseball card set for tops for each year, which it basically you go on, you pick a day that this player that you got this card for it will hit a home run. I got Joey Gallo because, of course, I did. <laughs> um. <laughs> In my set, and I'm like, okay, cool, let's see. All right, so this game's coming up. I forget who they were going to be pitch playing against, but I'm like, oh, he actually has decent career numbers. He didn't play. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, when you have a guy hitting that far to the Mendoza line, why would you play him? <laughs> Honest to God. He's not even a plus defender like why does this guy have a job still? I know left-handed bats are hard to come by, but Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I might have to reevaluate my worst deal because give me $11. I'll stand in there left-handed. <laughs> I'll be about as productive too. <laughs> are you as fast? No. <laughs> I mean, at least they could theoretically pinch hit him or pinch run him, I guess. I don't know. Oof. Yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. That's a terrible deal. 
Um, yeah. Actually, you know, one other deal I did like, um, the Astros grabbed Jose Abreu three years, 58 and a half. Um, every, you know, I always think that dude's getting ready to retire. He, he's done. Now, I'm going to keep going, and he's probably going to do what he always does, hitting the high 280s, low 300s with 20 to 35 home runs. Honestly, good deal for the Astros, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, going on the uh, – Going on the tangent of the Red Sox, Jesus Christ, deals that they're making. Kaylo Jansen, two years, 32. Not really a bad deal for, um, you know, top five, 10% closer. But Chris Martin, two years, 17 and a half. I, I don't know about that one. I, but, you know, we'll see about it. So... That's been the, uh, you know, guys, that's a really rough look at the offseason so far. And, um, uh, Joe, no, we did not cover every bullet point. I deliberately checked that before I said that. <laughs> I deliberately skipped a couple of them. Um, so, you know, rough look at the offseason so far. Um, you know, me as a Braves fan, I'm not surprised they did next to nothing. AA has shown he does not want to overpay for players, and he did that in letting Dansby walk this year. He let Freddie walk last year, although there were issues with Freddie's idiot agent. Um, it, and they've got most of the roster wrapped up for so many years that you're not going to see the Braves active in the winter very often other than some trades. Um, Phillies, you guys did a great job improving the team, I think, this offseason so far. Joe, I think your Cubs did a really good job, honestly. They should definitely be in contention for a wild card spot. If not, potentially the division, if they can grab another pitcher at some point. Slow down, Andrew. Slow down. <laughs> hey, I've had three bad elves. <laughs> I just want to get the 500, man. Holy hell. <laughs> Honestly, Joe, I, I do like the roster, though. You've got solid defense. The pitching is the biggest area you need. If you can get another, at least a mid-level arm to help bolster that rotation, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cubs make a run at the Central for two-thirds of the season next year before crapping out after the trade deadline when, for some inexplicable reason, uh, your front office decides to trade ever your entire bullpen away like they have the last two years. Hey, when you have good bullpens and you're not using them, you got to do something with them. Yeah, that's fair. Well, hey, he worked David out. Robertson away and he gets to the World Series, so I'm, I'm just happy to help. <laughs> Oh, uh, no, I just love that deal because I, I just love seeing Jason squirm every time Dave Robertson's mentioned on the Phillies. I just wholeheartedly enjoy that so much. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely been an interesting uh, – definitely been an interesting postseason so far um, with all the deals going down. Um, when we uh, – my plan for the new year, I, I, I actually had a lot of fun doing what we did last year, taking one week and just focusing on one set of divisions – so I'd like to do that again. Um, Ronnie, when we get to the NLEs, please come on back. Um, oh, I'm all for it. Dude, I, I want to bring Logan back on to get a Mets perspective. Um, anybody, uh, Jason, do we have anybody Did we have anybody else who's a Mets fan that hopped on with us? We have my friend Todd who came yeah. on um, uh, more so near the, for the off season wish list stuff. Yeah. Let's get Todd back on again. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be a uh, wild and crazy night. I'll see if I can get a couple more Braves fans on so we could just have the, this absolute um, mess of emotions flying back and forth over who's going to win the NL East. Um, I don't know any Marlins or Nats fans, but that's okay. Cause oh, the Marlins babe, and Nats will not be relevant. Bomb. 
okay. I'll have to see if I can. I know a couple of Cardinals fans. I'll have to see if I can get in to uh, have them talk with Joe. <laughs> oh, can we have that, please? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zach, if you're uh, watching this or listening to this later on, I'll be reaching out to you. Yeah, can we please? So, um, to our to our fans that uh, listen in on Anchor, especially because I know a lot of you guys uh, do that instead of the live broadcast. Um, if you would like to be on when we cover your week, please let us know. We would love to have you on. Um, either shoot us an email, uh, Dollar Dogs Village. Dollar dogs and beer at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us a message through Facebook Messenger. All three of us have access to that. So if I don't get to it, one of the two of them will most certainly get to it before we I do. do. Yeah, you do. Got, yeah, because uh, <laughs> dude, our first year, you were responding to messages before I even saw them. So I wasn't getting the notifications. I was? Um, yes, you were. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the screenshots later. Um, but. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, anybody, um, you know, when we cover your teams, I'm going to, as soon as we figure out what order we're going to do them, um, I'll put the schedule up on a Facebook post. So, you know, if you're available, please let us know. We'd love to have you on. Or even if you can't get on, if you want to just send in thoughts on your team, please do that. We will read them on air. I would love to have the, you know, I would love to hear what people that actually follow, especially when we get to, when we cover the West teams, I don't follow the West teams at all. I will be completely honest. Um, between going to school full-time, working full-time, and being a Braves fan and dealing with Philly's country, I have enough I have enough trouble keeping up with what's going on in the NL East. <laughs> and then because my brother's a Cubs fan, you know, I'm always drawn into what's going on in the Central because of Joe and my brother Alex. So, you know, further West than Chicago, I'm kind of – I see the big stuff, but I miss all the little stuff. So this is why we would love to have, um, you know, fans of those other teams, please let us know. Um, we'd love to have you on. We'll probably do similar to what we did last year. We'll probably, we'll probably go West to East. Um, I think that worked out pretty well. Um, Jason, let me know. I know Dave probably would love to get back on and talk about the Mariners as he should. They had a hell of a year last year and they're well set up for the future. No Astros fans. <laughs> oh no, come on. We have to have an Astros fan to fight with Dave. Um, that was although, although I, I do want to put put a note out there. If, if you're any one of the five Marlins fans in existence. <laughs> Wait, five now? What? <laughs> That wasn't nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> to be fair, they average like what 38 and a half people per game. If you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the under. A good team in town. <laughs> We're going to build a stadium that has a roof because that's why people aren't going to games. Yeah. Because that's because why. Suck. <laughs> the only good thing to come from the Marlins was JT. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Miggy. Miguel Cabrera as well. Oh, yeah, I was about to say Miggy. Um, uh, Burley. No, uh, not Burley. Beckett. I'm thinking of Beckett. John Carlo. Stanton. Yeah. yeah, Stanton was a Marlin originally. Christian Yelich. Uh, oh, I forgot. Yelich used to be a Marlin. Jesus. So, okay. So the Marlins are the growing ground for the entire rest of MLB. So yeah, the Marlins they're, are they're the far, They're the yeah. official farm team of MLB. <laughs> Yeah, they're triple, they're quadruple A, and then you've got all the triple A teams, and then everybody else, and then the Nationals. Oh. Yeah, Joe, you have a point. Yelich did have one good year, and he was on drugs for it too. 
Trust, trust, trust the Cubs fan to always be ready to point out any inadequacy and deficiency of a Brewers player forever. <laughs> but yeah, it was a fun second season, boys. Yeah, it was. I, I can't wait to roll with uh, season three next season as we uh, see what's going to happen with what's very likely to be an absolutely insane season next year. I said it last year at the NL East was going to be a bloodbath. I'm going to say it again. The NL East is once again going to be a bloodbath. Um, next year, I think it's going to be Braves, Phillies, and because I, I don't, I don't trust the Mets. I don't think they added enough. And let's face it, just because you win Manager of the Year despite blowing a ten plus game lead does not make a division winner out of you. Joe, quick, where, where's that gif of the dead horse being beaten? <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. I mean, has Alec Bohm even touched home plate yet? Dude, I didn't even bring Alec Bohm touching home plate in in like four and a half months at least. I, I think you mean four and a half episodes. Nah, it's been longer than that. I let that uh, go. But it's going to be. Oh, know, and Austin Riley's still not a top five MVP candidate. I wasn't surprised. He fell apart in September, dude. You can't fall apart in September and go top five. <laughs> I mean, Goldschmidt tried, but even he couldn't pull that off. <laughs> while, while we're on the being a dead horse case. Are you going to beat another dead horse? I was no, I was just saying that, that, that I, I may as well have brought up Riley while we were on that. <laughs> oh, boy, Jason. What are we going to do with you? Oh, boy. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Jason's had too many beers at this point, apparently. So, guys, um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, 2022 season—that's a wrap for us. Um, I I don't care if there's another record-breaking deal. We're not doing another episode before the new year. I think we're good. (laughs) Thanks again, Ronnie, for joining us. Yeah, Ron, it's been a blast. Yeah, dude, we will. I as soon as we figure out when the NL East episode is, we will make sure that you are available for it. Um, yeah, Joe, if you want to take the night off, because I know you're not going to have too much to contribute that night, that's fine. Man. I'm sure we're going to have enough people. I actually may have to look at cutting people back with all the people we know, because I think I'm only allowed to have nine or ten guests total, plus me. So um, we we may run into the stream yard limit for how many people we can have on the show that night. So, well, there you go, Joe. We can have like for the NL Central, we'll cut Andrew out and we'll just host. <laughs> Dude, I haven't missed an episode yet, so I wouldn't necessarily say no to a night off, but it would be weird. Perfect to time to start, man. Perfect time to start. <laughs> um, actually, you know, you know, it's crazy though. Uh, you know, the regular season starts right around my anniversary every year. My anniversary is March thirtieth, and that's uh, so. Um, depending on where the wife and I go, because this this upcoming year is our ten year anniversary, um, which holy crap, where did time go? Um, so depending on where we go, we may actually not have a week one uh, three-game, four-game series recap because I may be away. Joe, so, I don't have to be there. Well, I'll fill in. Yeah, you know, that's true. I, I can give one of you guys the login for StreamYard. You can just roll without me. So that, yeah. that, that will probably be the first episode of the entire podcast that I will ever miss. So... Because I'll bet just the highest rating. <laughs> It'll be the shortest one too. You know the cra- you know the craziest. <laughs> our our highest watch episode is actually episode two. Still the the uh, Pete Rose debate. 
That is still uh, to this day our highest episode yeah. number of listens and well, no views because we weren't doing video at that time. We were uh, still recording in Jason's basement. <laughs> <laughs> Come a Which, long way. You know, I, there is one thing I miss about the about the basement, Jason. Being able to look over there. Okay, that's the current standings. I don't have to pull a tab up on my computer. I can just look over at your wall. Because <laughs> um, that is. We'll, we'll uh, probably get back to that. I need to once I get the uh, new stuff set up, and I'm gonna. I need to clean up downstairs again. Uh, now that I have an, a better light for downstairs. Oh, nice. Uh, so maybe maybe starting with next season, you'll be able to see that behind me instead of. Uh, whatever's behind me now, the posters, the pops, et cetera. Um, let's, let's be real. You're not going to move down there until you can pull the Houston Astros out of the winning spot, right? Probably a fair, fair uh, assumption there. <laughs> I, hey, I can't say I blame you. If I would have yeah. lost the Astros, I would have felt the same way. Yeah, for, for those of you who have not seen or heard, basically in my basement, which I – painted to be like Philly's maroon and powder blue. I have a, it, it's fantastic. Um, it's a, I have a standings wall with pennants for each team in the division and their divisions. And I have a spot above the Phillies old maroon P logo that I painted by freehand, which I'm very excited and proud of. And it, um, it looks, it looks phenomenal by the but way, but there's a spot above that where the world series champion goes until every year from the end of the fall classic until opening day. And it pained me greatly to put the Astros back up there, especially knowing who they beat. I have um, a question. Was it worse to put the Astros up there this year or was it worse to put Atlanta up there and see your division rival up there all winter last year? Atlanta easily, <laughs> easily understandable understandable. because that was also when i was still doing this down there and i had it and i showed you like i walked the laptop yes, over did. and i was like here you go andrew Enjoy. yes you did i will admit that <laughs> uh so guys it, this has been a phenomenal season two um chase and joe thank you guys so much for uh trying to help keep me mostly on topic because when i get to that third beer who the hell knows what's going to happen <laughs> Especially when it's Matt Elf. So, um, <laughs> Joe, to, to answer your question, how much do I contribute normally? If the Cubs are sucking, you always have something funny to completely derail <laughs> us in the private yeah. co- in the private chat that we have running in the sidebar. Jason likes to think that he makes all of us break. You usually do it before he does. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe breaks us usually with the start of his rants or the – just went knowing that's like okay, I could just sit back now for a while, knowing what kind of rant is about to come. Um, Joe, I'm very, I'm very glad though that I did not have to join you in rants after June third. Yeah, because for a while you and I were alternating weeks as far as having rants go. I even had things to rant about, and I was like, you know what? We can't have three rants in one episode. I just need to sit back, suck it up, and deal, and let you guys roll with it. Because let's face it, your rants were better than my rants. <laughs> and to be fair, I mean, Jason, Joe's got the history of waiting over 100 years between World Series titles. He's got more pent-up anger. He hasn't waited 100 years. He's waited like 30. Okay, but the Cubs fans in general, 
they waited longer than everybody else. So he had more pent up anger to release in these rants than you and I ever could dream of having. <laughs> That's fair. Although you did not have um, Gabe Kapler or Joe Girardi. Uh, I have Freddie Gonzalez, who's almost as bad as one of them. Not both. I'll give you that. Yeah. Freddie Gonzalez was, and Frank ran in, in the front office. That was uh, Jesus. Ryan Sandberg. Oh, Ryan Sandberg, yeah. Do you remember uh, when he was like the hot pick for everybody's next manager and he never yeah, got an MLB job because he got exposed? Well, and, and that's why the Phils made the change to him was they knew that he was probably going to get taken elsewhere and they wanted him. So they made that change and ugh. Hey, think about it like this. If the Phillies had grabbed Sandberg, they maybe never would have hired Girardi, which would have never led to Rob Thompson. Oh, it's true. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. So, hey, um, I, I, I think after last season, you guys can't argue that uh, things worked out pretty nope. damn well. Nope. Best season I could have asked for. All right, guys. So that's it for 2022 for the Dollar Dogs and Beer Podcast. We will be back in 2023 after the new year. Um, we will start with the previews for all of the divisions. Again, I'll post the schedule. Um, let us know if you want to be on. We'd love to have you. Or if you just want to put up a comment, let us know. We will read it on air. You can find us anywhere where you find podcasts. I know we're on Anchor and Spotify primarily, but any pretty much anywhere you have podcasts, including Apple and Amazon as well, we are there. We are also on YouTube. We are on Facebook Live. We are on Twitter. Our merchandise is at redbubble.com slash people slash DDAB-podcast. So if you're looking for a last-minute Christmas present, Redbubble has it for you. Just look for our page. Facebook page is facebook.com slash dollar dogs and beer. The Twitter page is at DDAB underscore podcast. All three of us are on Twitter. I'm at PyroLord314. Jason's at JRicker300. Joe is at Jolton Joe 35 Ron, do you have a Twitter that you use? Uh, I have one. I just don't really use it that much. All right. Fair enough. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast LLC. We're sponsored by Whiskey and Blade Barbershop and Lidditz. Johnny, thank you for uh, cleaning me up before the choir concert this past Sunday. I looked absolutely horrible before that. Um, guys, may your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a great new year, and we will see you next year. <laughs>